right? Seven o'clock, yeah. Yeah. How you been? Been dealing with this lockdown? Very, okay. Very busy. You've been very busy? Yeah, really busy, yeah. Really? Okay, that's interesting. I was actually going to ask you about that. Do you want me to turn the lights on? No, no, that's fine. That's fine. I can see you. I can see you perfectly. I can see you perfectly. So I was, I was actually going to ask you about that. How has this, how has this affected your, your job, your, what you do? Um, because I thought that seeing as people can't go out, because um, I'd I'd look around what you do and it's interesting. In fact, on your Facebook, Danny, there's three different websites you link to. Only one of them I could get was working. Um, I had a little look around what you're doing. That was, that was the, um, Britannia K9 security.com. The other two yeah. didn't seem to be working. But is that the main website? Yeah, I think they just linked the pages there. Now I don't, yes, yeah, the main website's what we do, yeah. Right, okay. So for people, so everyone out there, Danny, um, be interesting for you to tell them a little bit about what you do and stuff, but it's interesting to see that you've been busier than ever. Um, but yeah, go, go, go ahead, my man. Tell people a little bit about what you do. Um, Predominantly, we're a security company, so like you say, in, in these times, we, we're kind of cast as key workers, whatever that may be. Um, but but we, yeah, we're key workers, and um, we we do close protection, which is a bit quiet at the moment, obviously, because no one wants a lot of people around them. Um, but we generally do like dog handling, so security dog handling. That's what we do. Right. Uh, static guarding. So there's a lot of places that are closed down at the moment, so obviously they need guards. So. We're NHS, we do the hospitals, we do all sorts of stuff. Right. Uh, so, so those, so, but say, so, so the pla- so the places that, yeah, because no one's in them, they don't want no one to get burgled. You're, that's, that's fair enough. Like, so what you've what you've lost in close security, you've made up for with, yeah. with in other things. But a lot of security companies have struggled really because they do door work and stuff like that, door supervision, so the nightclubs are closed. Um, but yeah. I mean, I do examining as well, so I'm an examiner for the security dog industry. So, predominantly, there's three main associations in security dogs. I have to do their quarterly uh, continuation training, I have to do their yearly certification. So, we can still run as an educational school as well, so I can teach at the two metre distance, blah, 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 you know. Right. And you're, and you're based in, you're, 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 you're actually I'm based, in, yeah, you're in Essex, but you're in Chapel Heath, is that where the place, where we're all based? Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Cool. Cool. So, just just so people. So, it's interesting why I want to get you on here, Dan. It's because I, I think, think like it's an interesting conversation, and also around this time, um, we love to look at the alternative world, everything in the alternative world, and and crypto has has been in the public eye quite a bit recently, and there could be some people that could be out or gain to to make a lot of money if they've invested in the right thing in the next year or two. And they may be needing someone like yours services um, if they've got a lot of, lot of money. So just wanted to talk a little bit about like your, your journey into this, Danny, really, and what got you there. Because it's a real interesting, it's not like your usual job, it's an interesting job. And as far as you get in situations that other people won't, won't have, won't, won't really uh, ever get into. So what, what was it that, got you into this line of work and what's your what's your background Danny? Um I was an East End kid, you know, bit of a thug, you know, at the time. I went through very much the rave scene in like eighty nine through to ninety five. Um I got up to some bad things, you know, when I was young and um I got thrown out of my house. I I lived in a bed sit on my own for quite a while. Um I used as well, you know, so it, it become a really spiraling, out-of-control problem for me. Um, and basically what happened was I lost a lot of people's trust over the years and um, a lot of dignity for myself and stuff like that. And then I realised um, I, had, I had an incident where I'd, I'd uh, nearly took a bullet um, and I'd, I had to move away up to Manchester for a few years to get away from the scene down here in London and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, um, I started working quite hard when I was up there, various jobs from, from a lollipop man to security to road work, working on the motorways, um, all different types of stuff really. And just clearing my head and stopping what I was doing. And when I come back, I hadn't seen my mother for many years, my father for many years, and they were good people. You know, they were hardworking, 
people. They wasn't. My father was a um, British Telecom manager for 35 years. My mother was a paramedic and a nurse all her life till retirement. You know, so we come from a good background, military as well. My grandfather and stuff like that. So when I come back, I kind of got on the straight and narrow, and um, I kind of wor- I worked in Stepney actually in a minicab office for quite a while. And um, I ended up being one of the most sought-after controllers because my mind was fast. So I was always thinking. I was always all the, everyone wanted to drive and work on my shift because they all earned a lot of money, you know. And uh, I, I had I was doing martial arts for many years, so I, I, I kind of what happened was how it all really started for me. I drove for Tim Westwood from Radio One, um, and Tim basically said to me, you know, it, it'd been shot at uh, around that sort of time. And he said to me, do you fancy doing my security with some other people? So I said to him, yeah, I'll have, I'll have a go at it. So I ended up going on the road with Tim Restaurant from Radio 1 for quite a while, um, doing a lot of gigs with him and stuff like that. It, it, dangerous, you know, we had crazy times. And I ended up taking me close protection courses, um, working. I've, I've worked from everybody from like... Oh, I've done all the Essex stars when they first started, Peter Andre, because they were all managed by Claire, you know. So we've we done all of the Essex stars. I've done Hollywood stars. I've done rugby teams. I've done the, all the footballers you can mention. So I, I kind of, it just spiralled and spiralled. And one particular day, a friend of mine come to my martial arts school and he said to me, um, which was in Silvertown, it was called, funny enough, it was called Britannia Gym. That's where the name Britannia Canine comes from, Britannia Village in Silvertown. So I used to teach all the kids, and then uh, Tim Westwood agreed to sponsor all the children. So I took all the local kids from um, the Canningtown area and the, the Silvertown area and just helped them, you know, and got them into sport and tried to push them in the right direction in life, health, fitness, that type of stuff. Um, and we was, really, we was really successful. And, uh, yeah, basically, Tim... It, it spiraled from Tim Westwood. I'd done all my courses, and then a guy come to our club one day, and he said, uh, it, it, I was doing security for him anyway, and he said, do you want to be a dog handler? So I said, I'll have a go. He said, well, I need a bodyguard that's a dog handler. So he took me on a course, and I worked in Commercial Street in London for six weeks, unpaid. He gave me a dog, um, and then he put me in Surrey in charge of, um, at the time was an American fellow who was one of the uh, directors of UPS Parcels. And I lived in his house for about three months, guarding him and his wife from, they was under threat from Animal Liberation Front because he, they was, UPS was delivering to Animal Life, Animal Life Science at Huntington. Oh. So we kind of protected his house, which was quite a fun job. It, it got, got a bit crazy now and again. Um, and then basically for me, the, the rest of the story is I was, I, I worked, I mean, to shorten this off really, I mean, I worked in many events all around the country as a, as a rapid response dog handler. Um, you know, from Glastonbury to the Dorset Steam Fair, you know, it, it, massive, massive events, you know. And uh, I've done that for quite a while and uh, joined the Territorial Army. Really cleaned myself up from what I was. You know, got all my qualifications, become a teacher, got a teacher's qualification. Um, you know, it... it I've done everything I could possibly do to be the best of what I could be, and and I and I will not stop, you know, until I until I'm I, I'm asleep when I'm in my coffee. Yeah, I'm, mm. I'm not not going to stop. Yeah, I'm too motivated. So it it just kind of went from that moment of when I was guarding that guy, I ended up travelling around Europe, um, learning my skills, bettering my skills. I didn't really learn off many people in England. Only a couple of people. Um, uh, I, I competed in um, national level in dogs for what we call IPO, which is like protection, tracking and obedience. Then I'm the second man ever to do the Dutch police dog qualification in, in Britain. Mm. And, uh, yeah, it's interesting. I want to come back to that, but carry on. But then, yeah, then it kind of like, it just spiralled and spiralled for me. I, I, I just, we built a brand off the back of the kids, that Britannia gym, you know, and I, we we just worked and worked and worked and worked at it, and then basically one day the 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 story the best part of the story for me is which I still it's a very fond memory for me. We we joined um, the Lee Valley, you know the Lee Valley, right? Yeah. Yep. 
Lee Valley Parks. It was called Parks Police. So we were the first security officers to ever be given a um, police blessing as such. So we, we could officially arrest under bylaws. So it was the most interesting job I've ever done. You know, I'm not from my background, what I was when I was young and I carried a warrant card. You know, it's like, wow, people were looking at me like, are you serious? Like, you, you know, from what you've done when you was in raves in like 1990 to 95 to get where I was was quite a quite a journey. You know, mm-hmm. I kept my clean for a while. Anyway, so we've done the patrolling and we've done um, different areas. And one day we we was playing with our dogs, training them um, at Hackney Wick. Two Irish fellas come over and said, uh, do you fancy doing the Olympic Park security 2012? And I said to him. You've got to be joking, and you, mate? I said, like, we're, we're patrolling around here all the time. You see us. He said, he said, give me a number, and I'll make it happen. So, you know, I, I, I thought nothing of it. He phoned me two weeks later, and he said, uh, do you want to meet him with us, Danny, with your, with your partner, your, your patrol partner? So I said, so we, so we went, we went and uh, went for the meeting. Lo and behold, they started closing down 12 kilometres of area for Stratford. And then they give us the job, you know, and it, it just spiraled and spiraled and spiraled to the point where I couldn't, I, I couldn't handle it anymore. It was just too much for me. Mm. And, a, and a friend of mine who I went, who I originally started with back in the day with the UPS story said to me, I'll help you out because the team that I work for are certified to the hill. We can support you, but what would you want? So we went up to Birmingham, we had a meeting and, uh, they was, we sat around the table and they said, look, this is going to be a big project. And I said, I know it is. It's getting big already, you know. And he said, what would you want financially for this? And I said, uh, so I don't know. See, none of these stories, Ryan, have ever been told. You know, like the media don't really know about these stories. And I said, I don't really know what I want. I said, he was expecting me to say 50 grand a year, you know, something, you know, 30 grand a year, whatever at the time. And I said to him, I want a pound an hour. And he goes to me, uh, my mate kicked me in the side of the leg. He said, what are you talking about? He's, he's just, they, they're loaded. I said, mate, we want a pound an hour of every man that works for us. Oh. And I want it written and signed. And he goes to me, uh, he said, are you mad? I said, no, no, no. I said, I, I, just leave it alone. Because my mate was a Jamaican fella. He was like, he was like, Ross. He's like, you can't be doing this then. So the story is, I mean, I've still got the certificate to this day. The time I started with the Olympics, I had two people working for me a day. The time I left, I had 1,500 people on shift a day, and I took an hour off every one of them. So, so, well, I got, I got what you were saying. Okay, so they were, were they in security for the Olympics? Were they paid, or was that voluntary? Yeah, they were all paid. Everyone right, was right. paid. But I had 1,500 staff a day working for me. And that man had to pay me one pound an hour out of every single one of them. It was a story from like rags to riches. It, it, it was phenomenal. I've never earned that money in my life. And I'll probably, I mean, we do all right. We do really well, but it's like. But you wish it went on for longer. Ryan, <laughs> he's like, I can't believe you've done that. And you got away with it. And I paid all my taxes, you know, and it was just, I met everybody. Seb Coe, Theresa May, you know, I, we we had a thousand guards, you know, and, and then G, G4S bought out the contract from us and I carried on working for G4S. And then my girlfriend at the time, you know, said to me, like, you you can't do this no more. You, you know, it's too stressful for you. They want you to be something that you ain't, Danny. You, you're a nice character and they're making you into a robot, you know. So it, it was um, it, that was a good firm to work for. Solid firm. I mean, they're one of the biggest employers in the world, you mm. know, and I. They bought all of our dog section and they bought me. And um, I worked with some great special forces guys and worked with the on-site police. And we built something very massive for the 2012 Olympics. And then I, I left and we started our own company. And the rest is history. I went back on Games Day to do um, bodyguarding for the gold medalists. To take them through Stratford up into the tower blocks to have their interview. And, uh, yeah, that, I mean, that's, that's pretty much it. And then I ended up. Seeing a load of old friends again, and end up on the radio doing MCing on stage. I mean, and going back to the raves. So now I go back to the raves and I see them all partying and doing what they do. I'm completely clean and I stand on stage MCing for seven hours. I mean, it's this, I've got a regular radio show now that I'm on, and I'm on tonight at nine o'clock. What 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 uh, what station is that? Delta Force Radio. It's on digital radio. It's, it's the the first ever pirate radio station in London. 
Oh, right, okay. So, like, yeah. Yeah, so we, so I'm, I'm now, I'm their host, their MC for parties, and I've got my own show called the Super Smiley Show. So all we do is just try and keep all people positive and happy and spread a good, awesome. no? That's what they need right now, Danny. How, how, yeah. <laughs> no, it's an awesome story, mate. I want to go into a few things. How, Danny, how old are you now? 48. All right, yeah. So you're, you're like my, yeah, my sister, Sister's age, yeah, the original cheesy quaver, the original ravers, like getting yeah, involved. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but like, um, no, it's a real interesting story. That one about, um, you know, G4S is an interesting company and I can sort of, if people I've, I've, I've heard of them, like worked with them before, you said a bit robotic and it take almost, they take, it's try take yeah, they take your moral compass out of you, which is not what, yeah. um, you I, want, I, really. I, then boy, I, I wanted to do things my way and it worked. You know, we developed that Olympic Park. No one can say they did. You know, with that security section, you know, we developed that and we handed it over. It was it was given to them, you know. So, and then they done what they done with the rest of it. But you know, we we used our street knowledge and our our team to develop the whole thing. You understand what I mean? Obviously, mm. there's a lot of people involved, but on the ground, we was there twenty four seven. You know. Well, yeah, you have to. I mean, having the knowledge of the area is, is, a, is a massive thing as well, right? That, that area is, yeah. there's certain people in that area, there's there's certain things that get, get done. But it's written I me, mean, it's a great story, mate, and it's uh, it's always good. It's funny how you said, you know, you were a certain way and you, you, you're completely clean now. For, 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 for people out there, what's, what's giving you more, because I say more fun, because fun can be fleeting, but what's been more, um, worthwhile to you like uh, what one did you say every day fulfills you more the partying or where you are now having more responsibility and building and building everything that you're doing you know what mate just seeing people happy trying to make people happy i know how it can be to be sad you understand what i mean and right mm-hmm. now for me the partying will come back you know for a lot of us there's a lot of people in the entertainment industry that i know personally big names they're really struggling right now I deal with a lot of messages coming in because where I'm on the radio all the time, you know, it, it, for me, it's not about money or anything like that. You know, it's, it's, I cleaned up my past and really changed my future in a positive way. You know, I do meditation. I'm part of an historic Buddhist school. Um, I, 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 I do like tomorrow morning, I do an 11 o'clock charity Qigong class. Um, you know, so love me, all this stuff. Drive me. Do you understand? Yeah, yeah, 100%. It's what exactly. It's like when you get up every day and you've got a purpose to get out of bed, it's, it's easy to get out of bed because you know what you're doing. You're on your, your purpose and your passion. And Danny, the funny thing is with that is you probably had to go through that before to get here. But would you be the person you are now if you didn't go through what you went through before? No, the thing is you can, you can read all the books you want. You can, you can take online courses. But actually doing things for real and being there and having that knowledge can help a lot of other people. And it helped me massively, you know. I, I used my street knowledge. People hated it. People, people look at me like I'm a tattooed thug. Yeah, I might have been. Yeah, but I ain't now. I can go and sit in a businessman with a pair of Laboutins on and drive up in a Bentley. Do you understand what I mean? That's the difference. Mm-hmm. So, and they, People hate that. People are jealous of it. But I worked hard for it and I've been through hell to get it. Do you understand mm-hmm. what I mean, but, yeah. It's not all about that. It's not all about that. I think positivity and um, gratitude is a massive thing for me, you know. But your 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 past and being that scene and being around it is why you, you know it, and that's why it's it's given. I mean, that's it's like the journey of why I do what I do now. I was I was very ill, so now I help people um, overcome it. And same as you, like you've been through that, and so now you 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 see you've seen that side of it, and you come out the other side. And the journey is really interesting. So a few things, because especially around what you do, you know, it's it's quite a, an interesting thing. I mean, whether you're in, whether you're, this is the thing. Germany people, you go into your into your line of work, um, seem to have quite a strong military background. The people that I've, I've spoken to before, they've either got some yeah. sort of like work or even navy seal navy seal so even like if it's special forces or whatever um so military you know, you, had, you said you said you, you had a military background in the family but you yourself were never in the military yeah and no, i was london scottish yeah london scottish uh, yeah reserves oh, um, i was always done cadets right through that's one thing i really did do right up to sergeant 
Um, then I'd done my, my grandfather, I, I ended up going, my grandfather was a Cameroonian, he was a piper. Um, he was in the military for over 20 years. Um, both my grandparents were actually. Um, but one in particular, one of my grandparents, my, my name was Scottish. My, my other grandfather was from Cunningham. He, he, you know, he was a very straight orientated man, but a very strong man. You know, he was a, he was a, he was head of Rothschild, uh, Roth, Rothman's security. Yeah. For the cigarette factory in Silvertown for a long, yeah. long time, you know, and he kind of got me into, he always educated me about security and he seen me with dogs. I always had a passion for dogs. And he said, you're going to do that one day. And he said, you'll, you'll join the army. He said, you'll work on it. And he, he didn't lie. And he, and, you know what I mean? He said to me, that's what you've got to do and you pursue it. And he always stuck by me when he knew that I wasn't right in the head. You understand what I mean? He was a very, it was a pillar for me, my grandfather, really was. It's uh, it's something that seems to be lost on people today, like the elders of any tribe, Danny, like the elders had so much wisdom because they've seen things, so they can see where you're going. It's like it's when people look back at people and say, I can see a lot of what I used to be like in, in you, um, I can see a lot of me in you, is in like, you know, when people look back and so they can see that, yeah. and, that's, and that's things that's really important. It's powerful, and you need, to, people need to listen to them, really. You know what I mean? It's, and I did, I did, I listened to him, very educated, and even though he was a strong man, he, he died, I listened to him, and I went the right way, you know. Well, it's amazing, that connection with grandparents, in terms of, you know, everyone loves their mum, well, most people, you know, out there, obviously, the situation is not, but most people, you know, mum and dad are, are huge figures, and, and people, there's no one like your mum and dad, but the bond that people have with their grandparents, it's almost like, you know, they get the best of, you, of, of the of the child because the you know, mum and dad have to discipline them. Whereas now and granddad, you know, the ones that they can go to, and they're such strong characters as well because they've got even more wisdom than than your parents. And so, yeah, it's no wonder that you had a strong relationship with him. The old, the older, the older parents. I mean, they had a lot of kids in the East End in them days. Seven, eight, nine kids they had. You know, what I mean, it's like they were just they, my nan and granddad were like the pillar of our family. Do you know what I mean? We all went to them. You know, I had a hard time with my mum and dad. I'm not going to lie. They was great parents, but, you know, I let them down, you know, and it's like, it, it was difficult in them years when I was going through a lot of problems because they didn't really understand. It took me till like last year to actually ask my dad, you know, what happened, you know, and he went, do you know what, son? He said, it was like, I, I was going to these things myself to find out what you was doing because I didn't know anything about it. And, and it, it just frightened us. Do you know what I mean? He said like, and, and, you wasn't stopping, so we had to let you go. Do you know what I mean? It, it, but you feel like you need. You, I needed them there. Do you understand what I mean? But really, they didn't know what was going on. So mm-hmm. I, can't, I can't blame them. And I tell you what, it taught me the biggest lesson in life. I was on my own. Do you know what I mean? For many years, and and, and I had to start having children, and and I, I had to like, I had to crack on. I had no option. You know Dan, I mean? have you ever have you ever looked have you ever looked into stoicism, Dan? To where? Stoicism. Here we looked at it. It's a philosophy. Now you'd love it. I'll send you some stuff afterwards. It's like Marcus Aurelius and the top of like the five last um, uh, emperor, like the top five emperors of, of Rome. But yeah. like, Stoicism is like a philosophy, and if everyone lived by it, especially like that in terms of um, you know you're on your own, but it's when you, when you control your mind and your thoughts and your actions, yeah. uh, and everything comes from that. And it, and and but like you said, your journey, it's, it's life will teach you this anyway, and people can, I'm not saying they're not hard circumstances, there are, but you know, everyone's got circumstances, it's how you react to them, and like you taking ownership, it's like Jocko Willick, you might have heard of him, he's got a book called Extreme Ownership, yeah, and it's about doing those things, and so, I was going to get into a bit about this, because when it comes to like health, Danny, and when it comes to the alternative world, and being able to take care of yourself and taking ownership, one of the things that gives people, I see a lot of people, a lot of people that are entrepreneurs, it's successful, they all seem to have a background in some sort of martial art, because it brings about discipline. So you mentioned yeah. a few things that you're into, like what age did you get into martial arts, and what was, what was the, um, what would you say the one you gravitated to the most? And what was the one probably you, you say you get you get used the most in any situations that you may have like encountered? Um, I, I I started originally when I was probably about eight years old in Wanstead um, with a guy called Ray Burrows at the time in a church, um, and he was a, he was a very very good karate man. He was actually him and my dad used to talk on CB radio in them days. They used to have a CB in the kitchen. <laughs> my dad was called Beck, and he was called the Gate Man. I'll never forget. 
probably I don't have much memories of my youth. I really don't. But you know, he, he got me into karate, and I've done the karate for quite a while. And um, I kind of dabbled. I went I went from karate to jujitsu in East Ham. Um, uh, yeah, place in East Ham, and then after that I went to taekwondo, and I, I, I kind of liked kicking. So I ended up utilizing everything, and ended up basically my kids. I carried on for quite a while doing karate, and then my kids, when they were very young, I see a club that was round the corner to my house in East Ham, and the, it was in the church that my mum and dad got married in, St Barnabas Church. So I ended up taking them there to a guy, a guy called Mike, and um, we we was also training together as a family in rugby school in Stratford with some good friends of mine now doing Thai boxing. So I basically took my grades. I worked underneath the instructor in East Ham for quite a while, ended up an assistant instructor, then become an instructor, and I kind of out, outclassed the guy. He, he, he was a very, very strange guy. Um, he would sign people in smoking a cigarette. You know, he was a, it was very old school martial arts. It was, he was, he was a bit rough with people. It was, in them days doing martial arts, people would make you run with bare feet, you know, on the street. It, it was, it was different. Oh, it was hard, you know, doing the, and anyway, the kids loved it. We got into it. And, uh, one day he tried to choke me out and I choked him out and he ran out and really? he closed up. He closed. He never opened again. Really? So, and we want to train with you. So I, I went and started the kickboxing club in Britannia Village, got a hall, paid for it, ended up with ample amounts of students. It was, it was phenomenal. I used to take them all around in coaches and, all of that, all over the place, fighting everywhere. So really, my main style was jiu-jitsu, which I learned from Mike, which is stand-up Japanese jiu-jitsu, not okay. MMA stuff, right. and, and kickboxing and Thai boxing mixed. So I, I, I kind of built my own self-defense style. Then I met a couple of other instructors, a guy called Dave Turton from the Self-Defense Federation. He made me an instructor. He looked at my style. He made me an instructor. Um, the AMA supported me, the Amateur Martial Association. I ended up getting a second down black belt. I probably got about one third down black belt in kickboxing, one second down black belt in jiu-jitsu. Um, I've done pressure points as well. Um, I've studied that for a while. I studied samurai sword as well for a little while. Interesting. Uh, yeah, and then I come out of the Japanese arts. Basically, my, I got divorced, and I come out of that and just – I carried on training my own way. And uh, I went to a, I was teaching self-defense, actually, for a Russian Sistema guy. Um, his name's Rob Poyton. And he said to me one day, I was teaching on his courses self-defense. He, he does special forces training for, it's like Spetsnaz style, yeah? Mm-hmm. See, there's only one person who can teach you, and it's a guy called Jim Uglo. So I was like, okay, I'm going to find this guy. He says, Kung Fu, but you might like it. So I phoned this Jim Uglo, and I said, uh, Jim, uh, my name's Danny Lyons, but I've done this, done that, blah, 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 blah. And he went, uh, let's, let's meet. So I went and met him. I said, no, I don't want to meet. I want to train. And um, I've ended up his disciple now. We've been, I've been to Hong Kong every year for the last six, seven years. I mean, he's, he's a phenomenal martial artist. I've got guys who train with me that are 90, 80, 68, 70. I mean, my teacher's 67. You wouldn't think he's older than 50. It's like... Whatever this art is, is good for me. Because mm. the way I look at it, I've done the crash bang wallop training. Yeah, I can still do that now. This is very aggressive training what I do. But internally, this man has taught me so much about my body. So my art now is Hungar. It's called- How do you spell that, Dan? H-U-E-G-A-R. Hungar. Or Hankyun. Hung K-U-E-N. He is one of the Yang family. He is one of the only original Yang family teachers for Tai Chi, which is an odd, really, because there's only one other guy in America. Um, my teacher's got probably, he's got a school in Switzerland, Germany, France, Belgium, Holland. Really? Um, Norway, Finland. He's got schools everywhere. I mean, this has really affected my teacher because my teacher used to teach away every weekend. I mean, he's a machine. Like, he's like, you know, he goes West. You never miss a West Ham game. You know, he's 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 a proper cockney. You know, but you would never know like what he's. I mean, he's been doing. He, 
he started in Soho, you know, in the seventies, like late sixties, you know, in Chinatown. It's, I mean, phenomenal. I mean, it's it's. It's a way of life, right? Because this is what people, it's only people do yoga. They don't realize yeah. that it's, that's just one part of it. It's a physical practice of yoga. There's a whole part of it. And it's the same with martial arts. So like every martial art is a physical part of it. But the whole philosophy used to embody like the teach. This is why I like the, how you said master and student because it, it was like you'd have to, it, they, you'd go through a whole process of learning and the master would teach you things that, you know, that other people wouldn't. It's, it's, it's like back in the day, this is why surgeons used to get called mister rather than doctor because to be a surgeon, you never used to have to go through doctorate training. You had to just learn up a surgeon. So you'd be learning off a surgeon. That's why you used to be a mister. But it's a similar way when it comes to this. And it's really, they teach you much. The, the physical is just one aspect. The rest of it's discipline. Like, the, like the, even okay. healing, like all these martial arts big into their, the Chinese medicine, like healing the, the meridians of the body, what's affecting yeah, what. Yeah. Um, I'm, I, he'd be a really interesting person to talk to. I mean, he does bone setting. He does. Um, I mean, Chan and Chung in Hong Kong was was his main teacher. Um, he met the Queen, you know, in the seventies. I mean, his son messaged me tonight. He's like, he's like eighty five. You know, his, his son Edward. He said, like, this is my dad. You know, uh, meeting the Queen in seventy five. He sent it to me tonight, like, to mm. watch. You know, he, you know, he was in the Rotary Club. He was, he was such a well-known fella. But he was, um, they made Dittar. You know what Dittar Jow is? You know, like for no. healing, bringing out bruising and stuff like that. Okay. My my teacher makes his own medicine and stuff like that. I mean, we spoke about COVID the other day, and it's totally conspiracy. It's it's all a conspiracy. Mm. He, he, I'm like, are you going to have this injection, Jim? And he's like, uh, nope. No, he said, yeah. Dad, doctor. He said, I've never had a doctor in my life. I was like, no way. He went, no, I ain't got a doctor. He said, I, I've done everything myself. If I've been ill, I broke anything, I've dealt with it myself. This is, I'm real. This, well, this is like, this is why I say to people, it's, it's going on right now, it's like, it's, it's no coincidence all the, all the healthiest people in the world are all singing off the same hymn sheet. None of them get ill, they all know what's going on. It, it's, it's, and this, and this, and, and, of what we do, it has like it, it comes from the I mean, Hippocrates and the Godfather of natural medicine, and also like Alvedic medicine, Chinese medicine, natural healing. It all comes from, yeah. and, there's, and there's reason why these things have been around for so long because they work. Um, and it looks at the body as a whole. Everything I do, like in in my programs, like we put in meditations, qigong, tai chi. We do all this because it's all about building that internal uh, life force of the body. So it's really interesting. Then I think I might have to have a chat with this guy. Maybe even. Uh, have yeah, a, a session with you guys because it's interesting yeah, and, and, and what he's taught me about the body I mean what I learned in, in martial arts was really good I had some really great instructors um, like I say Dave Turton, Soki, Brian Dossett, Kevin Pell I mean they were fa- they're fantastic instructors but what he has taught me about the body you know, when I do a class on a Saturday morning and, I, and there's a load of old ravers on there and it, they, all, all these different people come up because they're listening to the radio, you know, and, and I've really got them all positive on the radio because that shows I, I just try and beam so much positivity at the moment because there's so many people really suffering from this. Mm-hmm. Like, 100%. So sad to see, you know, and to give someone that bit of positivity, teaching them to breathe properly, exercise, you know, the, the messages after, they're like, wow, like, I'd never thought of doing anything. We'll join me next week because there's more. Do you know what I mean? It's like people just, it's so sad to see what's going on, man. It really is, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, no, and, yeah, but, we... Uh, uh, sorry to interrupt. No, go for I, it. I look, I, I look at this and I think to myself, <laughs> every single person who, who seems to be getting ill, bar some, yeah, and some people have lost people and I'm, so sorry for that. Yeah. I've heard a lot of rumours about people not being able to have bodies unless they put COVID-19 on the certificate. All of this type of stuff. Yeah. Every person I look at that got, have got this, have got something underlining. Whether they're a heavy drinker, they're a drug user, they're unfit, you know, they're smoking. I, I, I see it all the time and I think to myself, is it just me? Like, I'm just going about my business. I'm not, if I've got to wear a mask, I'll wear a mask. Yeah, I'm, and, and, and I'm, you know, I'll keep distance from people as per these guidelines, etc. But what is really going on here? I mean, it's like... 
Well, yeah, we've covered this. You've probably listened to some of my stuff. We've covered this. Me and, um, and a guy on, um, yesterday, a couple of days ago, called Don uh, uh, Waterson. Um, we went into it deep. I mean, we've got have gone through this quite a lot, a lot. Yeah. But, but people that we we've been studying these. I was just saying, Danny, we, we've been studying these companies and what's been going on for a long time, and everyone in my world had known this has been coming. Uh, we didn't know they'd do it so, so quickly. We didn't know it would be done so efficiently. We didn't realise most of the world would fall for it when everything they say, they come out of one thing and they change the goalpost and they say, oh, masks are not necessary, and then one mask, two masks, three masks now, and able, anal swabs, it's like they're taking the piss. This is all, if you look into some of certain things like, like symbolism and stuff, it's a lot of it's um, very satanic and a lot of it's very sinister. But as you said, you know, we, we, we can we go into it. And unfortunately, you know, look at your guy saying they're not taking the vaccine. Of course he's not taking the vaccine because he knows what creates health and poison will never do that taking the vaccine the other day and he's took it and I think to myself, you know, and it's so sad to see, you know, that your grandmother wants you to stand five metres away from her and all that, but yet you can go in Tesco's. I mean, like, come There's studies showing, Danny, as well, like, um, there's probably been loads of studies showing this, but in cancer wards, the healing went up when when people are... um, when people have family, human contact around them, it's huge. These things are all, you might notice, they actually studied the other day showing that the KGB in the 60s did a, did, a, did a study where they basically brainwashed someone for two months. They, they took a group of people and they said two months was the, was the time when if you, brain someone, if you brainwash someone enough for two months, it doesn't matter how much evidence you showed them to the contrary, they'd never believe it. And this is what's, what's gone on. Yeah, it's sad. I mean, like for me, when I'm when I'm on Centre Force Radio and I'm and I'm and I'm doing these shows and stuff like that. I mean, you can feel the negativity. Like you go through Facebook and you just see it. I mean, people are really suffering, but there is a way out. Mm. It's just want to do it. Exercise, health, well-being. You know, positivity that can change everything. Hundred you know percent. I mean? This is, why you, this is why you love stoicism, Danny, because it, it says it's all about, it says you can't change meditate. the outside world. Meditation. Hey, I, I meditate daily. I mean, for me, I had serious anger problems as well. You know, I ain't going to lie. I, like, I, I'm always busy, so little things could really gripe me and give me the ump. You know, we called it the old monkey mind, don't we? Do you know what I mean? It's like, I, I, I now, you know, if I visualise and I do my mantras, my mudra, my visualisation, well, you know, I'm set for the day, mate. I'm, I'm going to sleep tonight. I used to get terrible anxiety. You know, I don't get that anymore. Yeah, you give me a reset, mate. Yeah, no, I was going to say, you know why it's so good? It's like I actually was writing a post back this morning, like my morning routine. Like when you set yourself up to just start the day right, it's amazing the carryover it has. But also, like you doing, it's probably because you uh, had so much going on, you couldn't have a clear head, and so it was like the, the, almost like the fuse went. Whereas if you do these practices which clear your mind, you feel a lot more settled, a lot more relaxed, slow down. Really? And it's quick, yeah, that's a big difference. You can be, be clear in the mind, clear of the thought process, and you're not so easily triggered. And that's because yeah. today's world, everything's instant gratification, everything's very, very quick. Um, and so this is why it's interesting that you've come that, that far, Dan, and um, your journey is really interesting, and especially around martial arts. And, and, and uh, it's probably brought, being calm in your situation, like when you're doing security, like having that, when everything around you could be going quite, like can be quite explosive, I guess in having that calmness, that peace of mind is great. You can control people better when you're calm. I don't care what anyone says. Do you know what I mean? You, 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 people can feel your aura. They can feel your energy. Do you understand what I mean? When you're talking, when you, when you're, when you're showing demonstrations, when you're doing something, people look at you differently. You, you feel when your confidence is up and when everything's better and you set yourself up daily, you're in a different frame of mind. You don't have to use violence. It's like, it's, you feel different. You project a different energy. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like, 100%, 100%. I haven't. If it goes pear shaped, I'm ready. But if, if it doesn't, you know, I, I can generally. But it's the funny thing, Dan. Yeah. Everyone I know in the martial arts game or who's a master or my coaches, all of them are very proficient in self defense. They're not the calmest people on the planet because they don't, they don't ever come down to it. But they never want to use it. But they're really, really calm. Um, 
which and they exude uh, confidence when it comes to that, which is and so like when you, it's just like even because you work a lot with dogs, right? So you guys, you said before, it's, it's interesting you said about learning in Dutch and um, there's a companies I know that sell like protection dogs, and it's interesting how that a lot of them get get taught in Dutch. These dogs is, is that is there a particular reason for that? Because most of the protection, I never really got into the protection dog industry, and I'll tell you why. Because for me. My, I could have carried it and really done well out of it because I was I'm that way fine. If, if I do something, I'm not going to stop. It doesn't matter what my competitors are. I'm just going to keep going. I posted something last night from Den, Denzel Washington. I don't fall back. I fall forwards. You know, mm-hmm. and, and me. Yeah, so for, for me, the protection dogs, I mean, a lot of people were buying protection dogs from abroad, um, Holland, Germany, that were f- what we would call foul sport dogs. I mean, it doesn't matter. I don't mind saying this because I, it's the truth, you know. So them dogs were partly trained for sport or whatever in that language. Yeah. Like, like I said to you, IPO, KMPV, these type of uh, protection dog sports. Um, so people would buy them. 90% of the time they've got, they've got to train them in that language because they're already trained. And then they just change it around a little bit, uh, make it a little bit more streetwise for the dog, a little bit more suspicion, and then sell them. That's, right. that's the real. You know, right. it's, it, there's a few people who I could mention, which I won't, that, that are doing it very well. And there's a lot of people that are not doing it very well. It's like anything in life. Mm. You know, it's the main reason they're trained in them languages. Right, okay. And I both because I've competed with them in them countries. You understand what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. So you have to be. Yeah, you have to. Know. So when it comes to it, when it comes to it, um, so I want to just get into this because, like, you being calm is obviously going to rub off on that dog. You know, if your dogs seem to imitate their owners or imitate the people that they're they're um, around. So for for you, you still you still work with you still you still work with you not protection dogs like that, but you still have um, what would you call, what would you call it when you have a dog, a uh, man with a dog? What's that called? Now I've got some here in my kennels at my ass that I'm training for people. I don't really like doing it because of, the reason I didn't like doing it, going back to the original part of what I was saying, is because of the aspect of children. If dogs bite, there's always an element that fear in my mind that things will go pear-shaped. And, and, and I don't want that on my conscience, you know, because I look at it, I train. You know, I've trained, I've tested some dogs that were apparently protection dogs. I've gone in the ass and the dog ran away. You know, so, and the people have been like, like footballers and that, like, I've just paid 20 grand for that. You know, and it's like, well, what can I say? You asked me to test it, you know, I've... Ouch. <laughs> ouch. I've done, I, you know, and then people have a go at me for testing the dog. But they're selling a product, so it's got to protect the family, right? But but I don't, for me, I don't, I don't really dabble in that market. I do it for certain friends and certain people. And to be honest, my instructors... I give them the dogs. I give them the private lessons now. I let them learn from it. I let them do it. Do you understand what I mean? So they, yeah. they're, they're better than their skills. Um, but yeah, I mean, our, our dogs are different. Look, at the end of the day, we're what not you call, policemen. What do you, you, you call them now? If they're not, I know you're not policemen, but you say they're different. Why are they different? Guard dogs. You, you can say a, a protection dog is a guard dog, but it isn't. Right. It isn't a guard dog because it doesn't really think for itself. A protection dog... A personal protection dog is like having your own bodyguard. Right. You know, the problem with protection dogs is that they're not guard dogs. I've got dogs at my house that I've never trained in my life, but they're the best guard dogs there are. I've got a Caucasian shepherd that's like 120 kilos, and I leave it out, and you ain't getting in my house. If you're 50 metres away, I know about it. And then I'll come downstairs and have to deal with it myself. You know what I mean? It's like, it's an alarm for me. Mm. They're most guard protection dogs that are sold, they're all on command. So that worries me. That always worried me. You know, how close can someone get you before you tell the dog to attack? Right, I see you know, what you're saying. One the other day, we climbed through a guy's window. The dog was laying down on the floor, and he had to physically tell the dog to go and bite him, and he weren't comfortable with it. So if you've got to tell the dog to go and bite, is that a guard dog? Mm. No. Mm. If I'm a should react, right? Hundred percent, yeah. That's quite. That's quite worrying. That then, to be honest with you. We train security dogs. If you come anywhere near our dog on leash, you're going to get bitten. That's that's it. Yeah, it's as simple as that. Our dogs are trained to indicate. 
you know, pick up, indicate. That's that's all it's for. It's we patrol with them. The dog indicates on a noise or anything like that, alerts us to that. We go to it, and then it protects us. And we can't release our dogs; it's illegal. So when so when you said um, you haven't personally trained it, but it's a guard dog, does it still see you as the as the alpha? Like if you walk out there, it will. Yeah, definitely. You would if you come to my house, the dog will be going crazy. Right. As soon as I say, well, he's all right. You know what I mean? Right. If I walk right. away, he'd be back. Right, okay. So that's, yeah, that's, yeah, that seems like more like, yeah, it's no good. You don't want to have to tell the dog to do it because otherwise someone breaks in your house. What are you going to do? Sit there until you tell them? These really expensive guard protection dogs. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're taught to be next to the person all the time. They're, taught, they're, they're not to react for themselves. I like a dog to be suspicious. Do you know, do you know what I mean? Yeah, you want, you want them to, yeah, you want them to be, yeah. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. You want them to be suspicious of the person rather than think, "Oh, uh, this is all right." I mean, obviously, if they, if it's someone, if it's someone that you seem to be around or know, um, but then again, it could be they could be the one breaking in, right? If people get too yeah. comfortable. Yeah, it's interesting though because having looked at your website, it seems a lot of the dogs are uh, it seems like Alsatians or German, German shepherds. German shepherds or Belgian Malinois or Dutch herders, which are cool. pretty similar Malinois. And so people talk about them being the most, like, everyone says they're really intelligent dogs, but is that, is that why you use them? Very good to command, intelligent? Very high drive. So if we sell them to the police, military, security officers, excuse me, they're going to they're gonna use, their, their prey drives high, their hunt drives high, their food right. drives So, they, you know, if you needed them to search for explosives, you know, the hunt drives there. Um, if you needed them to bite, the prey drives there. Do you understand what I mean? It's mm-hmm. back to animals, basically. You know, you, you look at the raw rawness of the dog, and them type of dogs for us are the best. Of what so it's, it, it's interesting because a lot of people obviously you see things like Rottweilers, Staffs, and like Dobermans and things like that, but you never really see any any security or police with them. No, you do in Germany. You do, you, you see them in Germany, but to be honest, the thing with dogs now, a lot of the dogs are, they're kind of like, the footballers are going through this sort of thing at the moment of buying can courses. Um, yeah. And to be honest, they're show line dogs. They're not working line. They look beautiful. That's how people sell them. You know what I mean? It's, yeah, Italian, Italian Mastiff, right? Yeah. Big black Italian Mastiffs and the blue ones, and, you know. But you, but you look at a working line version of a can courser. They're a totally different ball game. So there's got, and I understand the personal protection side because there's got to be an element where the dog is quite relaxed but looks the part as well. You understand mm-hmm. why? Yeah. So what I'm looking for from a dog is is different to what you would look from a dog. Do you understand mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Totally different point point of view. My my job, my job is operational. Do you understand what I mean? I can't have a pretty looking animal. I can have a pretty looking animal if I breed them right or whatever, but I've got to have the drive, the drive to do the job. Mm. Well, the fact that you've got one at your own house shows that you know you you do trust trust what they do and you you, you, you like proof of the pudding. Yeah. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Is that something? Is that something? Would you? Is that? Is that something because you've been through? I mean, like, have you had people try and break into your house before? Have they say like stopped you? Anyone coming in? I haven't. I haven't. You know, my daughter lost uh, Charles recently. I don't know if you saw that on the internet. She had five million shares. Right. It went worldwide. She had the Sun newspaper chasing her everywhere. Um, it, was, it was just phenomenal. They, they nicked two lilac Charles from her garden, you know, and she, she, had, she had working dogs around and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? So it's not, no, to your original question. Yeah, we, yeah. we keep, yeah. So they so they managed to come in and 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 still even with the dogs there. That's quite. Yeah, they stole them, stole them from my daughter's garden. Yeah, and then we we managed to recover them after a little while, a couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Won't go into that. Um, so 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 that so when you talk so that's with the dogs. When you talk about personal security, so anyone out there who's looking into this and thinking, you know what, I'm, I've always wondered about personal security, um, having someone by my side, protection. Like, what does that look like for for someone? Generally, is it people? Is it do you generally deal with people that have had a, had a threat on them, or is it people that do preventive prevent, preventative as well? What, what's oh, the sort of fifty like? fifty? 
50-50, preventive and people that have had a threat. So we deal with all sorts. You know, it could just be looking after a building that's been vandalised. It could be a person who's been threatened due to business practices. Could be, it could be absolutely anything. People who have large properties see weird things going on in their area, want us to protect it. People who want to buy dogs from us to protect them or for us to put a security dog handler on their house, guarding it. I mean, that's quite normal, especially in the big houses in Essex now. You know, right. you, our people want, you know, they'll go away for three weeks or four weeks and then they'll want a dog handler on site that's there at the gate patrolling all night. You understand what I mean? So mm-hmm. we do that kind of stuff. Uh, so for someone, so like what does, so when you say, so you get people that are, are with, so when people are, have like the personal detail on them, um, would that be like 24-7? Would they be in the house with them or is it generally stay at the gate or, or, or what? So it just depends on what the person wants. Clients' wishes depends on the size of the property. Right, yeah. What you want. You know, we, 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 we're capable of having with people. We're capable of sitting in their house. We're capable of patrolling. It, it, we can do pretty much whatever they want, really. Yeah. And what's the um, and so like situations that occur? Everyone on your staff is pretty much well trained for anything that can occur. Can, can occur. Yeah. We, listen, we've we, we've got diversity. So we we've got you have that guard, and we've got people that are qualified you know, won the championships for dogs, you know, right. for the National Security Association for dog users, you know. We've, we've won the championship for the last five years. So we, we've got we've got the top guy who you would say would be the top dog handler. He probably isn't, but according to them, he is. He's won it, you know. So we, we've got good bodyguards. We've got good dog handlers. We've got good static guards. It's just what the client needs, really, and what um, we do. And what's the sort of cost for that per, per client? Is it when you have to go it's completely into it, like ballpark? Is it depending on the level of person you're getting to, to, to do yeah. security for you? Yeah? Yeah, yeah. It just depends on the threat level, what the job is, how long the job's for. It's like normal business, so what we, we would quote it accordingly, you know? Yeah, cool. And so, yeah, and so it's just like, yeah, hours done, I suppose, and, you know, what threat level, and the amount of people on, amount of people you need um, to do the job. Yeah. yeah. What's the, what's the, if you could say, any stories you got for us Danny, that you'd be like, you could share that might have, might have come up. Anything you, you could divulge, you've been involved in? Uh, I've got, I've got some. <laughs> um, what type of story? What do you mean? From like security? Security wise. Any, 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 uh, close calls? Oh, I had a close call with Jude Law. In Did Soho, you? yeah, on an advert for a car, walking around Soho with him all night. Um, I've had a couple of post calls. I had a close call on the tube with um, the All Blacks, believe it or not, when we was bodyguarding the All Blacks on the tube to take them to the West End to do an Adidas um, day at uh, Carnaby Street. Right, okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, I can't... Yeah, I've had... I've, I've, been, I've been shot at, I've been... Yeah, kind of all different things. Really. When you say clo- when you say close call with the All Blacks, was that like because there's quite a lot of them? There's, there's, was, there must be about thirty of them. Was it yeah, generally the train once? We had to deal with that and get them on and off. So you know, it's, sometimes it's really difficult to. Amy Childs, Harry Durbridge, another one. Mm-hmm. I, I done. Uh, I took them to Liverpool many years ago. Well, I don't suppose it was many years ago, but it was a few years ago, mm-hmm. and um, we. One of the producers or the program that they was doing said, "I'll oh, just go to Liverpool One, you know, to the shopping centre for the yeah, yeah. I was like, I'm the only bodyguard here. This is not a good thing. These people were like now right up there, you know, like these. They was doing PAs everywhere at the time. Yeah. You know, I mean that was an experience bodyguarding Amy and Harry straight through the middle of Liverpool One shopping centre on my own. You know, do you know what I mean? So I've had some. I imagine. I've had. Um, Tim Westwood, I had quite a close call with him. I had pretending to me that he was working behind the DJ booth. Really? And he was lighting out, and he actually come out, pulled a blade, and I took it off him. So he tried to stab him. And, um, yeah, I've had, a, I've had a few. Got shot out with paintballs at a, at a house once, non-stop. Covered the whole car in the house in paintball gun. Lucky <laughs> 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 love have that in real bullets, though. Uh, I've had some mad 
Yeah, I've had some mad experiences. I really have. Yeah. Yeah. There's loads. Yeah, I can imagine there are. Maybe we're there. Uh... Little Wayne off stage when he when they threw bottles him at Stratford. When oh, he really? finished. Yeah, and they all bottled him on the stage. Thousands of people. We got him out quickly. Mavado, I've done. I've done. Yeah, I've done a lot of. I've had a few little acts. I took. A, I've done Man United in Brixton as well. I've done personal bodyguard for Pogba. That went a little. Oh, that went wrong. That was one. Yeah, I, I was doing Pogba. He landed on a helicopter in the Isle of Dogs, and we took him in a car to Surrey Keys. And we done. It was a. It was another horse uh, thing, anyway. And uh, they basically released all the kids. Stormzy was there. I threw Stormzy out of the way, grabbed hold of Pogba, got him, got him through, and um, and his and his his, uh, his manager was like, "Oh, you can move him quick." He's, he got swarmed, you know. Really? We've had, we've had some really mad scenarios. I've been involved with a lot of people got stabbed at a nightclub before, and we've had to deal with that. And, and in those situations. Mine was clear straight away, like you're on things like the training just kicked in. It was all, all autopilot. I've been in an, I've been in a uh, a party one time in uh, Perthley, and uh, I only went to pay the wages. Me and my friend who introduced me to you, um, and he's uh, been a producer for like thirty years. He introduced me to you. Who, who and, is that? Uh, I'll, I'll I'll tell you another time, and then you'll okay, okay, okay. Um, He's, 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 his name's Jimmy, but he's one of my best friends. And um, so we went, we went to this party. I went to pay the wages. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the girl, girl on the doorman, who's a quite well-known doorman around in Essex and that, she was like, this is going to go off here real bad. And I went inside, and I remember a guy choking someone out, a doorman that I had a, for me. Like, and honestly, Ryan, you've never – it was so dark, and there were so many people in there every single person in the place started fighting and stabbing each other. And they were coming directly at us. I had to actually use a guy as a, guy as a human shield to get myself back. Like, like I never thought I was going to go on. Like, it, it was it was bad. And once we got, or got, got them outside, God knows how we've done it. They was just stabbing each other outside on the floor. People just curled over, spurting with blood. And then the police arrived and they stole the police cars. And just drove off. Really? Stole the police cars and just drove off in the cars. Yeah, it's just phenomenal. I've never seen anything like it in my life. It's I've done in Birmingham on the doors as well, where they turned a car over. We went, we done Birmingham at the Q Club. It was renowned for trouble. And um, I was doing plain clothes part of it. And they, some people t- shooting each other, turned the car over and flipped it over on its back. Like rocks. Unbelievable. I've done some. I feel like we need to meet up in person and have a uh, have a little uh, have a little chat. It'd be interesting. Um, but it's like anybody in the security industry, you know. The load, loads, I know loads of people have been through a lot of stuff. You could tell. That's why you do. That's why you do training, right? You hopefully you don't need need it, but when you when you when it does come down to it, your mind's clear. You know what you're doing. Yeah, you can see it coming. After time, you can see it coming before, especially in bodyguarding. When you're working in um, the Jude Law incident. He's a lovely person to work for. You know, I was working with him all day, side by side, you know, just with him walking around the streets. And I can see things. You, you, you can see things. You're streetwise anyway. You know, a lot of, a lot of the, um, the military um, bodyguards, they're, they're great people. I know a lot of them, the Special Forces guys, but they're too regimental. Do you understand what I mean? And then you've got the doorman type, you know. One one good one good job I did do, which was uh, for me was just unbelievable. I'm I'm a massive reggae buff. I used to travel to Jamaica all the time, live with oh. the Rusty Fair. Honestly, I've I've loved it. It's fantastic. And um, I used to have a reggae show on radio, and I got the opportunity to bodyguard live on stage. You'd be thirty. You'd be thirty, really. That's on awesome. Going back to Birmingham, so I was on the start on on. Age with a very very good uh, bodyguard called Mark Dawson, who's took people Adele, everyone all around the world. He's, he, he's what he does. He, he's like a stage manager bodyguard, and um, he's a fantastic guy, by the way. And we we, we worked together, and um, he had Ali Astro, but we was on the stage for the whole show because they was threatened to get shot at. Really? 
uh, like one of the team. So he was, I mean, oh, I've done some great jobs, man. I've been blessed. I've really, like, phenomenally blessed. I've met some crazy people in this journey. I really have. Oh, man, the, best, yeah, the best thing about it, Dan, you seem very down to earth still as well. Like you seem like just a normal guy. Humble, right? You've got to stay humble, aren't you, really? What can you do? Well, that's what, yeah, that's like something I think as well, like your journey with like having, it's another thing at martial arts and, and things like that teach as well. They keep you humble because you always know that there's there's someone out there or there's, you know, that it can be better than you. You learn, but it teaches you to, you know, there's always an, another way or some someone that could, is better than you in some 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 way or form. So it keeps you humble. And we're always, we're always yeah, exactly. exactly. And it's it's a good it's a good thing. So what's so what's the what's the next step then? Where where are you going? Are you continue to build build the company and the radio show. Like, or you got any other plans? The, the company we're we're really working on it hard. We've got great. I've got I've got like my my mate Naz, my ops manager. I've got my wife Laura. I've got. Jenny, who works in the office, Malik, Dean. I mean, they're all great people, and they've all got so much drive and ambition. I'm blessed with it. I mean, Naz, for me, come from me from the Olympics, so he knows what I'm about. He, he understands me, feels my energy, and they've got so much drive and charisma. You know, you can't go wrong with a team like that. It's all about your team. But what I'm going to say, just before we get onto that, the Olympics, no, no, um, no scares there at all? There was no, like, bomb threats or anything like that? Do you know what? The 2012 Olympics, um, in the early stages of the build, we had a mm. lot of problems. A lot of problems. We had a lot of problems from the local people because we were closing roads, so we ended up fighting them. You know, we had people chaining themselves. You know, my allotment getting taken. You know, you're not moving us. We, we, nightclubs were getting locked down. Everything was getting taken down. You know, it was, it was a real hard time for the communities. Mm-hmm. Very hard time for the communities, but when it comes to games time, do you know what? I, I was I was on top of the tower blocks in Carpenters Road at Stratford in the uh, in the BBC studios. So I would go on foot to the entrance, pick up the gold medalist, walk them through, bodyguard them all the way to the tower blocks, take them up the tower blocks, and you could see, you know, you'd see all the special forces with the firearms on buildings, you know, looking down, you know. That place was so guarded for game times that people don't really – doesn't matter. You know, what I saw, yeah, there weren't nothing going to happen in that Olympics. Nothing. There were always threats of explosions and this, that, the other, weren't there, and chemical threats. Do you remember? There was, mm. It was Talking a right time, wasn't it? Yeah. And, um, like terrorist attacks, that type of stuff, nothing. It went clean as a whistle. It was, it was beautiful. And I watched it from above. Do you know what I mean? So mm. that's good. good. Well, everyone was in a good mood as well. It seemed like it, we were doing really well. Like it seemed like a good time. Yeah. The weather was great. It was a good. It was a good uh, eight years ago now. No more than that. Nine years ago now, of course. Totally different now. It's like it's, I mean, you've probably seen it. it's unbelievable what they've done to that area. Really, the general mm. like regenerating the whole area is unreal. You know? Yeah. Basically, not used as much, really. That's a shame. It is you know, a shame. It's a real shame, especially all the yeah. facilities they've got there. Because it's a, I know the hockey pitches get used, uh, but I don't think the, the, the cycling gets used as much as it should. There's a few things that they do, but there's been a lot of building around there. It has re, has regenerated. That was a good thing. But I mean, it did, at least stadium. Yeah, <laughs> you a West Ham fan? Yeah. I'm not a big fan of that stadium. To be honest with you, but yeah, I, I preferred. Oh, ground! Everyone loves the original ground. This. But I suppose people had to move with the times, eh? Well, it's just as an as an away fan, having been in uh, Upton Park was one of my favourite places. The away section, it's like any of the London grounds, whether you we all like love hate each other, but like in terms of football hate, but Chelsea, Tottenham, West Ham, Arsenal back in the day, like the away end was class. Yeah, and uh, oh, yeah. now your way in now, <laughs> your your I went there a couple of years ago, and I was like, never again. I'm I literally am like hundred foot from the pitch. It's a nightmare. Yeah. Yeah, the way you put it, it's probably all right, but not for good. It's too big, isn't it? It's, it's massive. But anyway, it's up, up to everyone's home, it's, it always will be, isn't it? You know, it's yeah. for us. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So, sorry, mate. Yeah, so, no, mate, it's been uh, fascinating talking to you, Dan. Um, anything Thanks, else? Right. Yeah, no worries, mate. Anything else you want to add? What's the, what's the, so, just for people out there, what's the station that you 
DJ on? Um, Standard Force Radio. It's on digital uh, radio London London 2. Um, it's also streaming. You can get it through centerforceradio.com. Um, and it's on the Mixcloud as well. Um, it's, it's live on TV on Mixcloud. It has probably about 3 million viewers now. It's yeah. very, very um, we have some of the biggest names in the in the house music scene on the station. And, and what's the and what time? What time is your show? Then? What, 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 how often do you do it, yours? Wednesday, Wednesday afternoon, four till six. I do a drive time show, and I do a show tonight, nine till eleven. So that's Thursdays, nine to eleven. Fr- Friday. Fr- Friday. 11. Of course, it's Friday, isn't it? Yeah, Friday, nine to eleven. Yeah. yeah, so I'm thinking it's uh, Thursday. Yeah, Friday, nine to eleven. Awesome, mate. Anything else you want to add to Dan at this time? Yeah. The um, Britannia Canine Security. That's that's our main business. So yeah, yeah. Must get through me on that. No problem. Perfect, mate. I'll, I'll definitely be linking to that um, on the site. I think it's a dot. I mentioned before. I think it was the the dot com one that we had up here. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's it, yeah, Britannia9security.com. Yeah, got you there, perfect. Dan, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, my man. Look forward to uh, uh, chat you some other time because it's been uh, fascinating. We've got, probably got some more to talk about. I wish all the listeners a lot of peace, health and happiness. That's all we, all we can do, eh? Awesome, In these mate. Time. 100%. Cheers, Dan. Good man.